Hi, I'm Xavier McFarland, and welcome to the Catholic City Podcast from the Mary Foundation. Today's episode features Bud McFarland Sr. sharing decades of research on Marian apparitions. This is one of the most life-changing talks ever given on the earth-shaking messages from Mary, the Mother of God, who, along with her son Jesus, has been warning the world in dozens of approved apparitions over the last three centuries. But first, if you've ever considered becoming a Catholic or are a Catholic seeking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please visit us at catholiccity.com to order our Catholic scapulars, books, booklets, relic prayer medals, and best-selling novels by Bud McFarlane. Sign up for Bud's twice-a-month Catholic City email message, where he's been sharing profound insights, sage advice, and crazy stories for over 25 years. We are also the world's largest distributor of the Purple Scapular, given by Mary to the approved French mystic Marie-Julie Jehenny in the late 1800s. You can learn more at our website, catholiccity.com, which is the online home of the Mary Foundation. Since the dawn of the internet, we've been a world leader in delivering proven, free, or low-cost tools for evangelization right to your door. And now, let's begin. First, I'd like to begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, we fly unto you, O Virgin of Virgins, our Mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your mercy hear and answer them. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm very pleased to be here. I have never been in St. Leo's Church before, although I pass it on the parkway two times a day going up to Orangeburg, New York. I'm the vice president of uh, a large plastics company in Orangeburg, and so I'm always seeing this church and always wondered what might be happening here. And I was especially pleased to see uh, St. Anthony. Believe it or not, I, uh, I try to prepare in different ways prayerfully before I, I give talks. And this particular talk, I decided to make a novena to St. Anthony which I just finished today before Mass for nine days. And here I come, and St. Anthony is right here. So I know that I'm going to be in good shape tonight. Uh, St. Anthony uh, was one of the great Franciscans, uh, a contemporary of St. Francis. He was born in 1195, and he died in 1231, and was canonized a year after his death, even though he only lived for 36 years. And he was the greatest preacher of all time. Uh, he knew the Gospels by heart. And um, he died, and 40 years after he died, he died away from Padua. He was from Portugal originally. He was an Augustinian who the Franciscans uh, uh, rounded up on one of their visits to Portugal. And uh, after he died, they dug him up, and his tongue was incorrupt. Everything was in, in ashes except his tongue which was incorrupt, a great sign of the power he had as a preacher of the Word of God. Um, I'll tell you, uh, tonight I usually start and I build up to the conclusion. Uh, I'm going to be discussing, obviously, primarily, the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary and uh, why she has been appearing throughout these centuries, how they are all connected, what they all mean to us, especially in our time, when we have reports of the Blessed Virgin Mary appearing now all over the world. I'm going to tell you now exactly why she's appearing. She is appearing because the world is very close to a great chastisement, worse than the time of the flood during the times of Noah and the ark. A great chastisement is about to befall the world. That's why she is appearing. These are the most dangerous times in the whole history of the world from the beginning of its creation by God, from the coming of Jesus the Messiah, from the establishment of the Catholic Church, right through this day, this is the final, final battle with Satan. That's why she is appearing, to crush the head of Satan. And she is telling us what we can do to help her and her son Jesus to prevent or mitigate this great punishment from the wrath of God. 
Sin is a great offense against God. And the world has never been as sinful as it is today. And that is why we are so threatened today. The world is hanging by a thread. That's how close we are. These are our ladies' words in Ireland to many visionaries there, and especially in Argentina, where she's been appearing since 1983 every single day to a woman in her mid-40s, a mystic who has the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, and suffers the passion of Christ. The world is hanging by a thread. When we think about the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary in modern times, we have to start in 1451 with her appearance to Blessed Alan de la Roche. And when she appeared to Blessed Alan, she gave him 15 spectacular promises to those who would have devotion to the rosary. And I gave each one of you through the, our fellow curiosities here a copy of those 15 promises tonight. And we have more if you need some more for your family or friends. Fifteen great promises if you have devotion to the rosary. And I call your attention to number six and number 13 in particular. Number 13 deals with the fact that those who have devotion to the rosary shall have as their intercessors throughout their life and at the hour of their death the entire celestial court. If we have devotion to the rosary, we have the entire court of heaven praying for our intentions. And the sixth promise says that those who have devotion to, to the rosary will not be chastised by God in His justice. The other 13 are just as powerful. You will obtain all you receive from me through the power of the rosary. This great weapon, the rosary... Our Lady gave the rosary in its current form with some modifications to St. Dominic, who was a contemporary again of St. Francis. And in a meeting in Rome in the early 13th century, Our Lady appeared to St. Dominic, to St. Francis, and to St. Angela Carmelite. And you might remember that famous picture of the Blessed Mother holding up the rosary and the scapular, and she said, one day, through the rosary and the scapular, I will save the world. This is that day. We are living in the time when Our Lady will save the world through the rosary and the scapular. The major apparition of Our Lady on this continent took place in 1531 when she appeared to Juan Diego, a 57-year-old convert. Now the Franciscans again had come over. If you recall, Columbus discovers America only 39 years prior to this, and they were already evangelizing and uh, trying to convert the Aztecs in Mexico uh, through the early part of the 16th century with little success. And she appears to Juan Diego four days from December 9th through the 12th in 1531. And she says, I am the mother of the Savior. I am the mother of all mankind. I am the mother of all mankind. And that we should go to her with all of our needs and our problems. And she will take care of us and intercede for us. And you recall that famous uh, picture of Guadalupe, which was formed on the tilma which was a cactus fiber cloak of Juan Diego, the bishop had asked for a sign that Our Lady was appearing. He said, bring me Castilian roses from Castile, France, growing in the winter from the mountaintop. And not only were the roses growing, but Our Lady cut the roses and arranged them in the tilma. And when Juan Diego brings it back and opens it up for the bishop, there on the tilma is the miraculous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Now, there were nine million converts to the faith in the next ten years, strictly through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, while in Europe, through the Protestant Reformation at the same time in the early 16th century, we're losing five million people. Our Lady goes out and gets another nine million within ten years through her intercession. 
the power of Our Lady as an intercessor, as a loving mother. And we know today that probably half the Catholic world speaks Spanish. The key apparition in understanding what's going on today, however, took place in 1830 in the heart of Paris, a place called the Rue de Bac, the back street. There Our Lady appears to a young 24-year-old nun in the order, she had just joined the order of the Daughters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul. And she had been a mystic. She had a, a, a dream of St. Vincent de Paul encouraging her to join this order, not knowing who he was until she joined and saw his picture on the wall. And from the time she joined in April until Our Lady appeared to her for the first time in July of 1830, she saw Christ the King in front of the tabernacle every time she entered the church. And Our Lady appeared that first time on the eve of the feast of St. Vincent de Paul, July 17th and 18th. And she sat with her for two hours and they had an intimate conversation. And Our, Our Lady at one time wept bitterly. She wept bitterly over the sins of mankind and over what was going to happen to Paris and to France in the next 50 years. And unfortunately, all of the prophecies came true. Bishops murdered in the streets. Catholics persecuted. The great loss of faith. Our Lady gave to St. Catherine on November 27, 1830, the miraculous medal. She appeared to her first holding up a globe with a cross on it, praying to heaven, offering up the globe. And she said, this globe represents all the people in Paris and France and in the world. And she was praying for them. And then that vision disappears and Our Lady is standing there and she's standing on top of the world and she has her hands extended and you see three rings on each finger with light streaming from the gems on these rings, obliterating her feet almost. And she said, these lights represent the graces that are forthcoming to those who ask for them. She's saying, I am the intercessor, the mediatrix of all graces. All graces merited by Jesus on the cross come through me. I am the channel, the aqueduct through which these graces flow to mankind. And around the medal it said on the outside, on the oval frame, O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. Again, her power as an intercessor, but now, proclaiming officially what had always been taught, her immaculate conception, conceived in the womb of Saint Anne, her mother, free from original sin. And our Holy Father, Pope Pius IX, 18 years later, writes an encyclical on her immaculate conception, and in 1854, proclaims as an official dogma of the Church the immaculate conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in fact, when Our Lady appears in 1858 to St. Bernadette at Lourdes, on March 25th, she says, I am the Immaculate Conception, reconfirming the Pope's official proclamation of this dogma. But now, very important, under her feet, she's standing on the world and her heel is on the head of a serpent whose mouth is open in excruciating pain as his neck is being crushed by her heel. And Our Lady is saying in 1830, these are the beginning of my times. These are my times. This is the beginning of the end for Satan. My times have arrived as prophesied in the first book of the Scriptures, Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And you shall lie in wait and strike at her heel, and she shall crush your head. Foretold from the beginning of the scripture that the Blessed Virgin Mary and her consecrated children would be the means that God would use to crush the head of Satan. And that crushing, that victory of Our Lady is almost here. We will see it in our lifetime. We will see this victory, this crushing of the head of Satan. And on the back of the medal, 
We have the 12 stars representing the 12 tribes of the Old Testament, the 12 apostles. And now in our time, as she revealed through Father Gobi in her message to him, her apostles, her priests, her faithful of these times, her children consecrated to her and through her to the sacred heart of her son Jesus in this war against Satan. In the center, we have the cross and the M. Mary beneath the cross, suffering with her son, experiencing all the pains as the, pro- as the prophet Simeon foretold. Thy heart also a sword shall pierce. She knew from that first presentation of Jesus in the temple that he would suffer and that you would suffer all of his sufferings with him. After all, his heart beat first beneath her heart in her womb. She gave him his flesh and his blood. And then the two hearts, now for the first time officially alongside of the sacred heart, pierced by the crown of thorns, bleeding because of the sins of mankind. We have now elevated alongside of it the heart of Mary, pierced by the sword. Devotion to her heart is being raised alongside of devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. 1830, one of the most important of all apparitions, announcing the Marian age. Everyone should be wearing a miraculous medal. This medal was not called the miraculous medal. It was called the medal of the Immaculate Conception. But there were so many miracles attendant to the wearing of this medal in such a short period of time all over the world that it was soon changed and called the miraculous medal. As soon as 1840, in fact, a Jewish Catholic baiter, Alphonse Radispone, is visiting Rome. He and his brother, financiers from Austria, he was engaged to be married. He was constantly mocking the faith and challenged by a friend. He wore the miraculous medal and prayed the memorare prayer of St. Bernard that we started our talk with tonight for nine days. And he entered into the church of San Andrea della Frate. And as he entered the church, Our Lady appeared to him over the altar. He was converted instantly on the spot. He received a complete infusion of all of our faith. He became a Catholic priest. His brother became a Catholic. The news of this spread throughout Europe, throughout the world. This miraculous conversion through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The power of the miraculous medal. Our Lady said, those who wear this medal with faith will receive great graces. Don't ever be without the miraculous medal. In 1846, the Blessed Virgin Mary appears one time on the top of a mountain above the clouds in La Salette in the French Alps to two little children, 14 and a 10-year-old, a boy and a girl, Melanie and Maximum. She is called Our Lady in tears because she's weeping. She's weeping over the sins of the world. And she says, it is all that I can do to hold back the arm of God's justice from striking the world, interceding for us. She foretold what would happen in our century in terms of wars and persecutions of the church and suffering. And even an apocalyptic chastisement similar to the message of Fatima as alluded to by many of the experts on this matter. I mentioned Lourdes in 1858, 18 apparitions to little Bernadette Subiru, 14 years old. The major message there, Our Lady first appears to her praying the rosary. And she moved her lips on the Our Father and just her fingers across the beads of the Hail Mary. And her lips again on the glory be. Her message there was, pray. Pray for the conversion of sinners. That is the major message of the Blessed Virgin Mary in every one of her apparitions. Pray, pray, 
pray for the conversion of sinners. She last appeared there on July 16th, the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Bernadette Subiru, by the way, uh, uh, is in a convent in Nevers, France, about two and a half hours southwest of Paris. She's incorrupt. When they dug her body up as part of her cause for sainthood in the early 1900s, she died in uh, 1878. She was incorrupt, totally untouched. Her eyes blue, watery, her flesh pink, flesh beautiful. I had the great privilege to go there with my wife a few years ago. She's absolutely beautiful, just like the day she died. As is St. Catherine Labore, who was also incorrupt. And if you ever get a chance to go to Paris, to that shrine of the miraculous medal, you can see St. Catherine right there in an open casket, glass casket. Incorrupt. As are many of the saints who are preserved from corruption to a certain degree. In 1871, Our Lady appears in Pontmain, France. And she appears at a time when France is losing the war to Prussia, today's Germany, badly beaten, hopelessly defeated. And she appears over the heads of the French soldiers. And the German soldiers stop and retreat. And the war ends instantly. And Our Lady said, Nothing but under her vision as it appeared to the people at Pontmain, the words, my son has been moved, appeared, moved by the prayers of these faithful people. The power of prayer, the power of Our Lady to intercede. She appeared in the same way in Manila. Why do we have such a bloodless coup? It's not publicized. There were two million people in Manila on December 8th before that February revolution. Two million people there making a novena to the Immaculate Conception. And she appeared over the tanks of those government soldiers when the people knelt down with their rosaries in front of the tanks and the soldiers got out and threw down their arms and they said the rosary. That's why we had no loss of life in Manila. The Blessed Virgin Mary interceded again because of the faith of these people in the Philippines. In 1879, she appears in Knock, Ireland. Our Lady of Silence. No words were spoken. A tableau appeared for several hours on the wall of the Church of the Immaculate Conception. Our Lady appears with a golden crown, the Queen of Heaven and Earth. And with her is Saint Joseph, his head bowed in prayer. It had been said, that you will know you're in the end times when St. Joseph is proclaimed for his greatness and his holiness. And only nine years before, Pope Pius IX has proclaimed St. Joseph the patron of the universal church. And there's St. John the Evangelist reading the scriptures, the last gospels. This tableau is saying, Our Lady's times are here. We are entering into the times described in Revelations in the last gospels. Our Lady appears in Fatima in 1917. Six apparitions, by far the most important in this century, introducing what would happen thereafter, warning us about what would happen, giving us the formula for success, for turning things around. She is Our Lady of the Rosary. As I knelt for the Blessed Sacrament before I came out, I looked to my left and there was Our Lady of Fatima inside in the... uh, Sacristy. Our Lady of the Rosary. Her title was Our Lady Queen of Peace. Proclaimed on this day, May 8th, 1917, by Pope Benedict XV. May 8th, he proclaims Our Lady, one week before her apparitions, the Queen of Peace. And one week later, she responds to the Holy Father's great prayer for her intercession, and she appears in Fatima. And she says, the war will soon be over. Pray the rosary every day. Pray the rosary for peace in the world. And on July 13th, in the most famous of the apparitions, even more famous than the October 13th miracle of the sun, 
She shows those three children a vision of hell. And they were horrified. They said afterwards, if they hadn't had a supernatural help from God, that they would have died of fright and horror at this vision of hell and the suffering of these souls in hell. And Our Lady said, You have seen hell, where the souls of poor people go, because there's no one to pray for them and make sacrifices for them. In order to save souls, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. 1917, Our Lady of the Rosary, our Queen of Peace comes and she announces God's great plan for our century and for our times. Devotion to her immaculate heart. Because what is this battle for souls all about? What is the salvation of souls all about? Salvation from what? Our lady said from hell. She said souls are falling into hell like snowflakes. We cannot conceive of hell. Our mind will not let us dwell on hell. We can't. It's too horrible a concept. Not only the pain of it, the flames of it, people say, oh, God is too good and merciful. He would never have a hell, an eternal fire. Jesus himself in the Gospels mentions over and over the fires of hell, the endless fires where the worm dies not. Jesus in 1931 took Sister Faustina to whom he was to give the devotion to his divine mercy. He took her to hell. And he said, I am showing you hell and all these souls down here who didn't believe in hell. Go back and tell everybody about the souls in hell who didn't believe in hell. And we have St. Teresa of Avila on the window. St. Teresa said the greatest grace that was given to her was because God took her to hell and showed her her place in hell and her torments for all eternity, that she would have suffered if she didn't change her life and respond to God's grace. She said this was the greatest grace she ever received. And many of you read the book by the stigmatist nun, Sister Josefa Menendez, The Way of Divine Love. She lived from 1890 to 1923. Many times she would disappear right in front of her community, disappear, and then reappear. Jesus had taken her to hell over a hundred times. She would reappear at times smoking and burn marks on her. Hell is real. This is a battle for souls we're involved in right now. Satan is trying to drag souls down into hell. Forever. You think about that. Flames. Think of the worst pain you can imagine. And the fire of hell is worse. Your bones are seared with it. Your flesh is peeling off. Your brain is seared as you try to breathe and think. And you know now you are there because you resisted God's grace and you know how great God is and how wonderful heaven is. And you know that hell is hell. And you did it and you rejected the grace. You turned your back. You were proud at death if you had the chance and didn't accept that final grace of final repentance. And you are now in hell forever. Forever, not a day, a year, ten years, a hundred years. Forever, eternal fires of hell. We can't conceive, we won't think about. We wouldn't want our worst enemy to go to hell. No. That's what's going on in the world. Can you imagine if we had a nuclear war where from one instant to the next, souls go before God unprepared, no chance to repent, say, I'm sorry to be condemned by their own lives, to condemn themselves to hell forever. We don't want to think about it. That's what this battle is all about. Saving souls from hell. Between 1925 and 1975, there were 230 reported apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary in over 200 countries. Since 1980, there have been 300 
reported apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. 300. What in fact is happening when the Blessed Virgin Mary is appearing? We are experiencing God's mercy. God is a loving God, a loving Father. And when he sends the Blessed Virgin Mary to coach us, to warn us, to give us the clues on what to do to change things, he is a merciful, loving God. In 1931, Jesus himself said to Sister Faustina, Speak to the whole world of my mercy. Let it know how incomprehensible it is. My mercy is a sign of the approaching last days, the days after which will come the day of my justice. While there is still time, let people take refuge in the font of my mercy. I promise that the soul who will venerate this image will not perish. I also promise victory over its enemies already here on earth, especially at the hour of death. February 22nd, 1931. When Jesus appeared to St. Margaret Mary in 1673 to 1675 on four separate occasions and gave her the devotion to his sacred heart, when he told her on how his heart was on fire, the symbol of his heart pierced by the thorns and bleeding because of the sins of mankind, with the flames pouring up out of it as a symbol of a, of a furnace, an inferno of fire to symbolize his undying love for mankind. No matter how indifferent mankind is, how unloving, how unresponsive to his many graces, his love and his mercy is endless. And he made a reference then. He said, I give you this devotion to my sacred heart in order to prevent Satan from dragging souls to perdition. In these final centuries, 300 years ago, Jesus referring to these final centuries to St. Margaret Mary. Before I continue, I want to give you one clue, a very important clue, as to why this century has so many apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Why this century is the most sinful in all the history of the world. Why this century has had more martyrs than all of the previous centuries combined. And we're not even talking about the martyrs in the womb talking about martyrs who have died for their faith. In 1884, Pope Leo XIII was saying Mass with some priests and cardinals, and coming down after Mass from the altar, he collapsed into what they thought was a coma or even death, but which turned out to be an ecstasy. And upon his recovery... He related that he had overheard coming from in front of the tabernacle a confrontation between Jesus and Satan with Satan boasting that if he had more power for those who would turn themselves in service to him and more time that he would have the whole Catholic Church under his domain, the whole world. And Jesus said, how much time? And he said, a century. And Jesus said, so be it. And that is why the devil, in his final surge of power, has dominated this century. So we've had all the wars and all of the atrocities. It's the century of Satan. The Pope then goes to his room and immediately pens the Leontine Exorcism Prayer. St. Michael the Archangel. Defend us in the day of the battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, cast down into hell Satan and the other evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the destruction of souls. And Pope Leo, from 1882 through 8 to 1902, wrote 12 encyclicals on the rosary. Twelve encyclicals on the rosary. He was saying to the 20th century, here's the answer, here's the weapon that will defeat Satan. The rosary. 
if we only knew the power of the rosary. Our Lady in Medjugorje in many reparations says, if you only knew the power that you have when you pray with faith, when you pray from your heart, when you pray the rosary, when you pray the family rosary, when you pray a rosary in front of my son Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, the power that you have through prayer. People have forgotten, she said, that through prayer and fasting, we can have the aversion, we can avert wars and natural disasters through the power of prayer. That's what we're asked to do, to pray, to pray incessantly, to pray every opportunity we have. A few weeks ago, we had the fifth anniversary of the Chernobyl explosion in the Ukraine, outside the Ukraine in Belarusia. One year later, to the very hour of that explosion on April 26, 1987, the Blessed Virgin Mary appears in Russia. She appears over the Church of the Holy Trinity to a young girl, Marina Kazin, and her mother. And again, she appears holding Jesus. Within a week, in a country where the Catholic Church is forbidden, where there are no churches, they're all illegal, where you go to prison if you celebrate Mass or go to Mass. 100,000 people are there in that town of Rushu. 100,000. And the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to every single one of those people. And she spoke to every one of those people. 100,000. And she said, Chernobyl was a great warning for the world. She came wearing black, wearing black. And she said, if Russia does not return to Christianity, there will be a third world war. Our Lady had appeared twice before in that very same place in Rushu in the 17th century, where there was a miraculous spring like Lourdes and people received cures. And early in this century, in 1914, she appeared to 20 people. And she said that Russia will soon become a godless nation. And that Russia would suffer and the people would suffer through three world wars before the faith returned. For 80 years, she said they would suffer. 80 years. Nobody knows here really how the Russians have suffered for their faith, the Ukraine. She appeared in the Ukraine, she said, because no nation ever has suffered as much as the Ukrainian Catholic people for their faith. Stalin came in after World War II in 1947. He put all the bishops and priests in jail. He murdered them. He slaughtered them. He tortured them. You realize that the communists since 1917 have enslaved, tortured, and murdered 90 million of their own people, their own people in Russia. A lady has told us in her apparitions that communism is the red dragon of the apocalypse. So we go to the two ends of scripture to find out what's going on. In the beginning we had our lady crushing the head of the serpent in Genesis. In Revelations 12 she said, it says, and there will appear in, there appeared in the sky a great sign. A woman clothed in the sun, with the moon on a, under her feet, and upon her head she wore a crown of twelve stars. Our Lady in Garabandal, Spain, wore a crown of twelve stars. Our Lady, that was in the 1960s. Our Lady appeared in Africa, seven children, 1981 to 1983, and then to one ongoing until last year. The messages there are similar, pray, fast, do reparation. Also, there a great emphasis on the second coming of Jesus. Today is another significant anniversary because 19 years ago today, on May 8th, 1972, a parish priest from Milan, Italy, went to Fatima on a pilgrimage. His name, Don Stefano Gobi, a humble, simple parish priest. He was kneeling in the chapel of the apparitions and our Blessed Mother appeared to him and spoke to him and gave him a message. She said to this simple, humble priest, I want you to go all over the world and to gather together my cohort of my priests and my faithful consecrated to me 
in my army, so we do battle with and triumph over Satan, my adversary, because this triumph is close, is near. And he said, me, I'm so inadequate. She said, that's all the more reason I choose you because nobody will believe this is coming from you. They will have to know it's coming from me. She speaks to him regularly. All her words to us through Father Gobi are published in a book to the priest, Our Lady's Beloved Sons. This is the 11th edition. I'll read you September 6th, 1986. <coughs> My heart is bleeding. My heart is transfixed with deep wounds. My heart is immersed in a sea of sorrow. You live unconscious of the fate which is awaiting you. You are spending your days in a state of unawareness, of indifference, of complete unbelief. How is this possible when I, in so many ways and with so many extraordinary signs, have warned you of the danger into which you are running? and have foretold to you the bloody ordeal which is just about to take place. Because this humanity has not accepted my repeated call to conversion, to repentance, and to a return to God, there is about to fall upon it the greatest chastisement in the history of mankind. It is a chastisement far greater than a flood. Fire will fall from heaven, and a greater part of humanity will be destroyed. Our Lady appeared in Akita, Japan, in 1973 through 1975, to a young Japanese nun who was deaf and who was miraculously cured. And she said, first of all, that she had interceded with God so many times by offering to Him the sufferings and sacrifices of victim souls, people who had physical suffering on this earth who joined her and offered up that suffering to God in reparation for their sins and the sins of the world. And it was only through these intercessory sufferings that God had listened to Our Lady's pleas and did not chastise the world up to now. Then Our Lady said, But if the people will not repent and be converted, the Father will send a great chastisement over the whole of mankind. There is no possible doubt that this punishment will be more terrible than the great flood on a scale never experienced before. A great part of mankind will perish by this chastisement. The priests will die with the faithful. The people who will suffer will suffer so much that if they survive, they will envy those who are able to die. The only weapon which remains to you is the rosary and the Eucharist. Recite the rosary every day. Recite the rosary. Pray for the bishops and priests. Pray the rosary very much. I alone can still save you from the disaster. Those who profess their complete confidence in me will be saved. I have documentation from apparitions, locutions, visions from all over the world. I could talk for six hours straight just relating to you the words of Our Lady and the words of Jesus in this regard about our time. In Argentina, Jesus, on December 30th, 1989, said to the, the mystic, In the time of the flood, the people who were saved had the ark. Today, my mother is the ark. Because she will lead the people to me, and they will be saved. Our Lady is the ark. It is through her that the world will be saved. This is God's plan. God's plan for mankind is to save the world now through Our Lady and through those consecrated to her. We are all being called today to be saints. That is the message Our Lady is giving to us in all of the apparitions in Ireland, in Argentina, in Ecuador, Venezuela, Korea, Vietnam, Italy. In Italy, she said in 1986 in Nalivetto Citra, just south of Naples, she said, when God comes among you with a supernatural manifestation, He does not come as a joke. God does not joke. In Ireland, she said, God will not be joking when He comes 
with his hand of justice over the world. We know that all prophecies of chastisement and punishment and justice of God are contingent upon mankind's response. And rather than think of Sodom and Gomorrah, where Abraham couldn't find 50 men, 43 bargained with God to save this city, this sinful city. He got down, he couldn't find 10. He got a bargain from God. If he could find 10, God would spare Sodom. I'd rather think of Jonah. Jonah, the reluctant prophet, who tries to flee from his mission, gets shipwrecked, swallowed by the whale, and spit up on the shores. And he goes to Nineveh, the land of the Gentiles, who were very sinful. And he gives them God's message. He says, you have 40 days to repent to fast, to pray, to change your lives. And the people listened. They responded. The animals fasted. The king donned sackcloth and ashes. And at the end of 40 days, God was so impressed that he spared Nineveh, a huge city. It'd be like New York City today here. Huge city, relatively speaking. The Blessed Mother appears all over the world. Father Gobi goes all over the world, 100,000 plus priests and bishops all over the world, members of the Marian movement of priests, millions of lay associates. Our Holy Father goes all over the world. When has there ever been a pope who traveled the world? Read Matthew 24. What does it say? In the end times, the whole world will have the good news preached to it. Our Holy Father goes all over the world. By the way, we're not talking about the end of the world. Because we have that great promise of Our Lady of Fatima that the Holy Father will in the end consecrate Russia to her Immaculate Heart. Russia will be converted and a period of peace will be granted to mankind. We know we have a great time ahead of us. An age of one flock and one shepherd where everybody lives with the joy and peace of Jesus in their hearts under one shepherd. But before that time, if mankind doesn't change, we're going to have this terrible chastisement, and it's imminent, it's now, we're hanging by a thread. And what are we to do? Those of us who have the grace to hear this message and receive the grace and pray for that grace to understand it and change our lives and help to change the lives of others, what are we being asked to do? Pray the rosary every day. Pray the family rosary. Fast on bread and water. I know members, I'm a member of the Knights of the Immaculata who fast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with no difficulty. When we fast, we show that we are in charge. We are saying that we are not totally involved with the material aspect of life, that we are in control. And what did Jesus say to his disciples? When his disciples marveled after he drove out the evil spirits, Jesus said, certain evil spirits can only be driven out through prayer and fasting. Well, the evil spirit of Satan, which dominates this century, which dominates our world, can only be driven out through prayer and fasting. The greatest prayer, the greatest reparation is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. We are all here tonight, I am sure, and have received the Holy Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus. We are in communion with God. We're part of that mystical body. The blood of Jesus is flowing through all of us tonight as we receive this body and blood. Go to Mass as often as you can. Padre Pio said, the world could better do without the Son than the holy sacrifice of the Mass. I'm sure I know where I live in Verona. I could go to Mass starting 6.30 in the morning, 6.45, 7, 7.15, 7, on and on. There's a Mass sometime. You can go to Mass every day. Go to confession at least once a month. Our Lady asked us for monthly confession at least. She said if people would return to the practice of monthly confession, whole sections of the world could be converted. And there are graces. We don't go to confession just to tell our sins. We go to confession in humility to receive grace from Jesus. And if we go often enough, we will eventually get to see ourselves more clearly as God sees us. We get that grace to really see us ourselves as He sees us all our imperfections, and the grace to change and be more like Him, Jesus. 
When we imitate Jesus, we become great evangelists and we can convert the world when we imitate Jesus. And pray incessantly. If you know the Chapel of Divine Mercy, pray the Chapel of Divine Mercy. It takes five minutes. I have books and pamphlets. Everything is free. It's from the Blessed Virgin Mary. All she asks you to do is to take it and to use it. There will be graces that come from this. I could relate story after story of people who were changed because they read something. God spoke to them through a pamphlet or a book. This is a time of unprecedented grace in the history of the world. Examine your own circle of friends and the people you know. How many people are going to Mass often? How many people are fasting and praying their rosary every day as opposed to five years ago or ten years ago? This is why the communist countries are crumbling. Because of prayer. We can change the world. The people in this church can change the world. We have that power. And we have nothing to fear. Our Lady tells us over and over again, as she did in Japan, those who remain faithful to me, they have nothing to worry about. We will be protected. All right? Do not concern yourself about that. Our Lady asks us to read every week and meditate on the Scripture, especially Matthew 6, 24, 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rusts corrode and thieves break in and steal, but rather treasure in heaven. No man can serve God and money. And do not worry about where you are to sleep and what you are to eat and what you are to wear. The unbelievers chase after these things. Oh, you of little faith, think of the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, and your heavenly Father takes care of them. Or the lilies of the field, Solomon in all his splendor was never laid out like one of these which are cut down later and thrown into the fire. Oh, you of little faith, seek first my kingship over you and my way of holiness, and all these things will be given to you besides. That's what Our Lady says. Trust in divine providence. Trust in me. Be a little child. When we become as little children with that great trust and faith, then we see things so clearly. What did Jesus say? We thank you, Father, for what you have hidden from the learned and the wise, you have revealed to the merest of children. We must become children of Jesus and Mary, trusting in them, trusting in what they tell us, trusting in what they are begging us to do, and we will see clearly and we will live with joy and peace of Jesus in our hearts, and we will save the world. We will be the ones with our scapular and our rosary that our lady said, will one day save the world. Oh, Father, could you lead us in the consecration of St. Louis de Montfort? I, Father Roland, a faithless sinner, renew and ratify today in thy hands, O Immaculate Mother, the vows of my baptism. I renounce forever Satan, his pomps and works, and I give myself entirely to Jesus Christ, the incarnate wisdom, to carry my cross after him all the days of my life, and to be more faithful to him than I ever have been before. In the presence of all the heavenly court, I choose thee this day for my mother and mistress. I deliver and consecrate to thee as thy slave my body and soul, my goods, both interior and exterior, and even the value of my good actions, past, present, and future, leaving to thee the entire and full rights of disposing of me and all that belongs to me, without exception, according to thy good pleasure. For the great glory of God, in time and in eternity, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Would like to thank Bud for his really inspiring talk on our Blessed Mother. As I've also preached to you many times, shortest way to the Sacred Heart of our Lord Jesus Christ is through the Immaculate Heart of his Mother. So let us continue to increase our love and devotion to Our Lady, especially to the power of her Rosary. Possibly some of you have questions you would like to ask, but so if you have, Bud, would you answer? 
Anyone any questions? Well, uh, the final thing that she told her uh, at the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel was a secret between her and our Blessed Mother, which was never to be revealed. All right. The principal messages that she gave, as I said before, were pr- pray for the conversion of sinners and I am the Immaculate Conception. Now that had great meaning. I am the Immaculate Conception. And I'm a knight of St. Maximilian Kolbe, a knight of the Immaculata. For St. Maximilian Kolbe, a great Marian theologian who was canonized in 1982, St. Maximilian saw there that the Blessed Mother was the bride of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, just as the Father and the Son love each other and the Son is spirated or proceeds from the Father, and that the Holy Spirit is spirated or proceeds from the love of the Father for the Son, in a sense, St. Maximilian saw him as the uncreated, immaculate conception of the love of the Father and Son. How natural then for the created, immaculate conception, Our Lady, to take the name of her spouse. So that's why she would say, I am the immaculate conception. All right? Yes. Yes, okay. The question regarding the letter containing the third secret of Fatima, which Sister Lucy wrote. She wrote on this letter at the request of her bishop, the contents of the third secret of Fatima, and she gave it to her bishop, who, with the instructions that the letter was not to be opened until her death or 1960, whichever came sooner. Because, meaning that the letter, its content itself would be more clear in 1960, maybe than previously. Uh, the popes opened it. Uh, John 23rd was the first to open it. The cardinals, several cardinals have seen the contents of the letter. Uh, uh, Ratzinger, uh, most recent, had some comments about this, the contents of the letter in reference uh, in a book he recently put out in 1987. Uh, but the contents, the popes have chosen not to reveal the contents. There are many reports of a uh, paraphrasing of the contents that was re- uh, introduced during the uh, Missile Crisis in Cuba in 1963, and News Europa published the contents of that purported contents or synopsis of the letter because Pope Paul VI uh, felt that, this is right after the Pope died, that this would help the situation that was going on between the the superpowers. And then the Salt Treaty proceeded right after that. The popular belief of the theologians and experts who study it say that the, the, the secret deals with two areas. Number one, a terrible chastisement. And if you recall, the part of the letter which part of the secret, second secret revealed refers to Our Lady saying that if people don't listen to my requests, whole nations will be annihilated. That part has already been revealed. The second part of it is supposed to deal with the apostasy, which I don't want to get into tonight. The apostasy meaning the falling away from the truth of the church of Jesus Christ, even within the church. All right? So there are two aspects that the supposed experts say that the letter deals with. On the other hand, the Pope's, our Pope has made a great statement about this. Our Pope in 1980 referred to the contents at full to Germany, and he made a comment about uh, if there are reports that there would be the overflowing of the seas and millions dying from one, one moment to the next, or people who will be interested only for curiosity's sake. He said, the answer lies here, and he held up his rosary. He said, the answer lies here in the rosary. Put everything in the hands of the mother of God. So that was his response in the end. So to answer your question directly, the popes had the right to announce it or not announce it. They chose not to. And that's the state of it now. It's in the archives, the pit. All right. The question is, does the Blessed Mother appear to people who are non-Catholics or religious or just religious or uh, religious people or let's say religious nuns or priests? Uh, most of the time it seems that Our Lady appears to little children and maybe because uh, she feels that uh, especially the ones in these distant countries that they are so unsophisticated and so like the little children she wants us to be that they won't distort the message and that they will believe and that they will faithfully transmit what the message is involved however Our Lady has appeared to people who had no faith at all in, uh, in uh, Africa the young man, the one, there's six girls and a boy, the young man had no faith at all. He was a pagan. And he got an instant infusion of all the knowledge of the faith. He astounds all the uh, theologians with his knowledge of the faith. Uh, and she's also appeared to uh, sinners. 
So uh, it, I, she's a, uh, a pretty indiscreet in that way. She doesn't. Uh, this, I mean, she doesn't discriminate. She would appear uh, to whoever uh, suits her at the time. In the case of uh, Saint Catherine Labouret, she was very holy, as was Saint Bernadette. You know, they were good, wholesome people. But that's not always the case. The the uh, if you read Revelations, we know the Antichrist is to come, and that he is to reign for a period of time. Uh, the popular understanding of a progression of things that I adhere to when I talk to some experts, but nobody knows for sure, is that we have the purification, the period of peace promised by Our Lady of Fatima, of one fold, one shepherd, where Christ reigns in the hearts of all mankind, uh, and Jesus uh, reigns supreme. And then we have the Antichrist, the second final coming of Jesus, and the defeat of the Antichrist. So first Satan goes to hell. That's what our lady is going to do now. Satan's time is over. Boom, he goes to hell. The period of peace, the Antichrist, the defeat of the Antichrist, and the end of the world. As we know this world. I would have to say, if I asked in my heart Jesus to kind of give me a clue, if I knelt before the Blessed Sacrament, he would tell me the prayers of my mother. That my mother had great devotion to the rosary, and she passed that on to my sisters and myself. And uh, I was never away from the faith. I was always close to the faith, but not uh, an avid, ardent Catholic. Come to Mass on Sunday Catholic, basically decent person, going to confession quite often because of my sins and my weakness, all right? I, I went, uh, I, I, I got involved with the charismatic renewal 12 or 13 years ago, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, 11, 12 years ago, I went to Curcio. And uh, Curcio had a great change, made a great change in my life. And the greatest change that it, it made was, number one, I saw God as a loving father as opposed to a just, indifferent judge. And secondly, uh, I developed uh, a pious habit of going to Mass and receiving the Eucharist every day, which I had never done before, and which I only did for Lent. And it got to be a good habit, and uh, I think that is where I receive all my strength. After that, uh, in 1982, and I'll make it brief, in 1982 I went to Niagara Falls on a weekend with my wife, and we were buying some rosary beads at the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima. I knew nothing about Fatima, 1982, nothing, all right? And uh, as I was buying the rosary beads, there was a little book there, Our Lady of Fatima by William Thomas Walsh. I said to my wife, gee, isn't the Pope in Fatima this week because it was on the news? I said, let me get this book. I don't know anything about Fatima. And it was talk about the secret and what he announced the secret and whatever. People don't realize the Holy Father was shot on the feast of Our Lady of Fatima on May 13th by the Russians with a poison bullet. That was a Russian plot to kill the Pope. Shot with a poison bullet, should not have lived, attributes his miraculous recovery to Our Lady of Fatima's intercession. Goes back a year later to the day, consecrates the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. May 13th, 1982, right? I read the book. I stayed up all night in the motel, and my wife woke up in the morning, and I said to her, I said, this book has changed my life. God has spoken to me in this book. I will never be the same again. My wife thought I flipped out, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, and she still thinks I flipped out at times. But, but my wife is also uh, that, that, that believing wife, who, spouse who consecrates the unbelieving spouse. My wife's been a daily communicant with 11 children, a daily communicant as long as I can remember, no matter how sick, no matter how tired, always began her day with the holy sacrifice of the Mass in the body and blood of Jesus. Right? So I would have to say that was that kind of that incident. And then I started reading, and uh, which I got from the Curcio, you know, study uh, and piety and action. And uh, somebody asked me to give a talk at our local Curcio Saturday morning meetings about the apparitions and one thing led to another and then I've been giving talks for the last eight or nine, eight years. Alright. God's grace comes in many, many strange ways. We hope you were inspired by this podcast and we encourage you to share it on social media and warmly invite you to distribute our free Catholic scapulars, medals, books, and booklets to your family, friends, parish, and social groups. Visit us online at catholiccity.com for more information. The real work of the Mary Foundation is accomplished by people just like you. There are three ways to help. First, please pray for everyone who hears, reads, or wears our materials. Second, share them with everyone you know, family, friends, fellow parishioners, and the people you work with. 
Only you can reach them. Finally, please help us financially. It seems impossible, but we don't do traditional fundraising here at the Mary Foundation. We rely on your generosity and God's providence. By the way, if you, your parish, or your Catholic group would like to distribute our materials by the dozens, hundreds, or even thousands, all we ask for is help covering our materials costs. So please visit us online for suggested donations. For our Canadian friends and those outside the United States, only online requests are accepted, so please refer to the special shipping rates listed on our website. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to working with you. May God bless you always. And now, here's a short preview of our Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet, the most popular rosary recording in the history of the world. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For an increase in the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without permission is prohibited.